Morning, church. We, uh, we conclude our series today called Gifted. This is lesson number nine. Nine lessons on the Holy Spirit. I realize we could go uh, many more weeks, but we're going to conclude today. We can always come back and revisit and have some new lessons. Here's how I want to close this series. I want to talk about how do I know if I'm being led by the Spirit? How do I know if I'm being led by the Spirit? And to do that, we're going to be in Galatians. So we're kind of pulling out a context, but I need to give you a little context. And to give you that context, here's how Paul begins in Galatians 5 and verse 1. We're going to be in Galatians 5. He says, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Now, a lot of context here in Galatians 5. What you need to understand is he's writing to a lot of slaves. Millions and millions of people have been in slavery and they want to be free, especially free from the Roman Empire, that kind of slavery. God's people through the years have always wanted freedom. You can go back to the Old Testament when they were slaves in Egypt making bricks. They desired to be free. And Paul's writing to people who want to be free. And here's the good news. He wants him to know you're free. Just like we are today. You're free. But the problem is we struggle with what that freedom means. We've been purchased by God. Purchased by the blood of Jesus. We're the property of God. And there's no reason for us to be enslaved anymore. And that's still true today. But that's what legalists want us to be. They want us to be enslaved. There have always been legalists. There were legalists when Jesus was on the earth. There are legalists today. There are legalists in this church and any church. Legalists want to shackle Christians with the chains of the old law. Legalists want to shackle Christians with any man-made laws. Legalists want to shackle Christians with their laws. And Paul says to them very um, clearly, and to us, he says, listen, stand firm, stand fast. But here's the problem. When we talk about freedom in Christ, believers don't know what that means. Believers struggle with understanding what freedom is. So some use their freedom as an excuse to sin and to gratify their sinful nature. I'm free, so I can do whatever I want. I'm free, and I can live however I want. We'll talk about that in a minute. Others want to use their freedom as a weapon to cause division and to cause discord and to backbite other Christians and for self-promotion. So we struggle with understanding freedom. So let me say this. Freedom in Christ doesn't mean you get to do whatever you want. Freedom in Christ doesn't mean living any way you want to live. Freedom in Christ doesn't mean you live your life, I'll live my life. Freedom in Christ is not a license to sin. And so Paul says, listen, stand firm. Stand firm in your freedom. Stand firm because Christ has set us free to be able to stand firm. Stand firm because we're freed from the law. We're free from the enslaving power of the law. We no longer have to worry about being good enough, doing enough, and keeping enough laws. So Paul would say in Romans 6, we have been set free from sin. 
But again, we struggle with what that means. So let me say this. Just because we are free from sin doesn't mean that we are free to sin. There's a difference. And so Paul says, stand firm because we're free. We're free to serve Christ. We're free to follow Christ. We're free to be obedient to Christ. We're free to live for Christ. And so I want to say this. Grace does not call us to be free to do whatever. Grace calls us to be free to serve God. And so Paul says, don't be burdened by a yoke of slavery. Don't let people put a yoke on you. It's what he's talking about. I need to keep saying a few things about grace. Legalists are afraid that if you preach too much grace, people will start sinning right and left. People are sinning right and left whether we preach grace or not. People will tell you that grace is dangerous. Let me tell you what's dangerous. Legalism is dangerous. And here's what Paul said to those who are preaching legalism. He says, mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he's obligated to obey the whole law, which nobody can do. You who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. You've fallen away from grace. Paul says, if you want to live a life of legalism, following a bunch of rules man-made rules, then Christ has no value to you. You've been alienated from Christ. Now, what's the difference? If we're saved by works, we boast. If we're saved by grace, we boast in God and about God. Huge difference. So, here's where we're heading in Galatians 5. So I want you to know the italics are not in the Bible. I added those for emphasis. But by faith, not works, we eagerly await, not work, through the Spirit, that's what we're going to talk about today, not the flesh, the righteousness for which we hope. So let me illustrate this way. I think I've told you this, shared this illustration with you before. Years ago, there was a cake mix company and they just wanted to make it easy on whoever's making the cake mix. And they came up with the perfect cake mix. All you had to do was open the box, pour the contents into the bowl, add water, stir it up, and cook it. And they thought it would sell like hotcakes, no pun intended. And it flopped. Nobody bought it. So they went back. And they changed the recipe and they put it on the market. And with the new recipe, you'd pour the contents into the bowl. And then you would add water. And then you would add an egg. And it sold like hotcakes. Because people feel like, well, I've got to add something. That's what legalists want you to believe. I know Jesus died on the cross, but... You need to add something. And Paul's preaching to those people here in this passage. Legalists want to add to salvation. They want you to do more. They want you to follow their rules. And Paul says, listen, stand firm. So what do we do while we're standing firm? Well, he's going to talk about being led by the Holy Spirit. Well, what does that mean and how do I know if I'm being led by the Spirit? 
Well, to explain that, let me talk about influence. If I use the phrase, under the influence, several things come to, your, come to mind. Some of y'all are under the influence of medication. You've got allergies, you've got some sickness, you're fighting some disease. You know what it means to be under the influence of medication. Some people are under the influence of people. Watch two people fall in love. And she is so under the influence of his good looks and his he-manness and his charm that she'll do just about anything. And he is so under the influence of her good looks, so sometimes you're under the influence of other people in good ways and bad ways. Some people are under the influence of coaching. You say it any way you want, but the teams that win, I'm going to tell you, they are under the influence of a good coach. John Wooden won 10 NCAA basketball championships in 12 years with the UCLA Bruins. His players were under his influence. So you know what that means. Some people are under the influence of alcohol and they get pulled over for driving under the influence. We're under the influence of so many things. Money, possessions, drugs, careers, people. Many of you have been or are currently under the influence of some of the things I just mentioned. And so as we get to the end of Galatians 5, Paul's going to talk about what it means to be under the influence. He's already said it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. And freedom doesn't mean we get to do whatever we want. But in our struggle to be free, we fall under the influence. Paul says we're either under the influence of law or grace. We're either under the influence of the works of the sinful nature or the fruit of the Spirit. We're either... Um, either the flesh influences us or the spirit influences us. We're influenced by what we try to accomplish or what God can accomplish through us. So Paul is going to illustrate there's two things that can influence our lives. Two things that can influence our lives. Here's what it means to be under the influence of the sinful nature. He starts and he says, So I say live by the Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what's contrary to the Spirit, and Spirit was contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other. So that you do not do what you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. And he lists 15 sins. They're obvious. So... Maybe you're under the influence of the sinful nature. Here's what he says about being under the influence, based on those two things I just read. The sinful nature feeds sinful desires. The sinful nature feeds sinful desires. Don't even need to explain it. The sinful nature is in conflict with the Spirit. It desires what is contrary to the Spirit. The sinful nature doesn't want you to be led by the Spirit, influenced by the Spirit. The sinful nature doesn't want you to possess the fruit of the Spirit. The sinful nature wants you to follow the law. Any law. Any checklist. Any law. If you're led by the Spirit, Paul says you're not under the law. The opposite would be true. If you're led by the sinful nature, you're obviously under the law. And you're um, accomplishments. The sinful nature emphasizes works. Works. 
deeds, your performance, your achievements, what you accomplish, those works, Paul says, won't lead to justification. Those works will not produce a righteousness that saves. The sinful nature stands before God and says, look what I have done. And then Paul says, the acts of the sinful nature, they're obvious. That word means well-known, clear, apparent, visible, open to sight, openly outward. Again, Paul lists 15 sins that are obvious. So if you want to stand before God with your deeds, your achievement, your performance, that's what it produces. That's what your life produces. And then he gets real strong. If you're under the influence of the sinful nature, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, let me ask you some questions. Okay? The acts of the sinful nature. Is there anything on that list that would describe you? Is there anything on that list that other people would describe that's you? Would other people say, wow, that, that list really characterizes your life? Hmm. Some of these sins describe our actions. Some of these sins describe our attitudes. And if I was stepping out on a limb and I wouldn't have to go very far. Everybody in here can be found on this list. Because the Bible said we've all sinned. The acts of the sinful nature. We've all done these. We've all sinned. And we've all gratified the sinful nature. So yeah, that describes me and you at times. Which is why Paul says, you see, the sinful nature and the spirit, they're in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. Which leads us back to being under the influence. And Paul says, we are all under the influence of that sinful nature. We are all giving in to the sinful nature. It's not hard. We do those things. We all have moments of weakness. But then Paul says, let me give you another choice. There's two things that can influence our life. And here's what he says. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit Just so you know, it's not the fruits. That's a singular. The fruit of the Spirit. We'll talk about that some more. It suggests that all nine of these things are one fruit. They're homogenous. They're same kind. They're working together. So notice what he says about being influenced, led by the Spirit. The Spirit-led life is in conflict with the sinful nature, which is the opposite of what we said earlier. It's obvious that if you're living by the Spirit, it's in conflict with the sinful nature. The Spirit-led life will not indulge the flesh. Paul says in Galatians 5.13, You, my brothers, were called to be free. What do we do with that freedom? Do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Well, I'm free to do whatever I want. I'm free to live however I want. I'm free to sin however I want. Do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. The Spirit-led life wants to serve others. 
Same verse. Do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Don't serve yourself. He says instead, serve one another. Wow. Spirit-led life is not under the law. Any law. Old law. Laws you come up with. Laws legalists come up with. Paul says in 5.23, The fruit of the Spirit, against such there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit, the the Spirit-led life produces fruit, not works. Again, it's not fruits. It's fruit. God produces one fruit that manifests itself in nine different ways. As opposed to the acts or the works or the deeds of the sinful nature. That's plural. There's a lot of those. There's one fruit. The Spirit-led life emphasizes what God produces. The sinful nature emphasizes what we produce, we achieve, we accomplish. The Spirit-led life emphasizes what God accomplishes. Now, the fruit of the Spirit, we can't produce the fruit of the Spirit. God produces the fruit of the Spirit in us. We produce works and acts of the sinful nature. God produces fruit. Imagine if I invited you to my house and I said, Hey, I want you to come out back. I want you to notice something. And I take you to a tree and I say, Look up at that tree. And you look up at that tree and there's apples and oranges and peaches and pears and bananas. And you're like, Whoa, I I can't make a tree like that. But God can in each one of us. And when we're led by the Spirit, we produce the fruit of the Spirit. So, question. Would that list characterize your life? Would other people say that that list characterizes your life? Would someone use those words to describe your life? If you're being led by the Spirit, how do I know if I'm being led by the Spirit? If the fruit of the Spirit is evident in your life, then the answer is yes, you're being led by the Spirit. But again, maybe you're not the best judge of that. So ask someone, hey, would you describe my life that way? Ask your spouse, ask your parents, ask your children, ask your co-worker, ask someone at church. Would, Would this list describe my life? I want you to be honest with me because I, I want to have the fruit of the Spirit. Because here in Galatians 5, he's been emphasizing the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, living by the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit. And he says, if we walk, live, same word, by the Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. So if you're under the influence of the sinful nature, then you're not under the influence of the Spirit. Paul's trying to tell us that living a holy life is not something we accomplish. It's not our deeds, our acts, our performance. It's not self-effort. It's not in keeping any laws. Living a holy life can only be produced by being led by the Holy Spirit. Listen, let me say it this way. Being a Christ follower is not difficult. It's impossible. If we try to follow Christ with our own power, our own efforts, our own deeds, it's futile. We can't do that. But if we're led by the Spirit, 
If we're led by God's Spirit living in us, then He will produce the fruit of the Spirit. So the question is not, does the Holy Spirit reside in your life? The question is, does the Holy Spirit preside in your life? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to lead, to convict, to produce fruit? Are you quenching the Spirit? Or are you drenched in the Spirit? So again, do you live your life under the influence? We all do. Either the influence of the sinful nature or the influence of the Spirit. Either the works of the flesh or the fruit of the Spirit. But let, let me, I don't know if you noticed some things. Let me go back. In this list of 15 sins, he goes through all those. And he ends with, and the lie. In other words, I think Paul is saying, I could go on all day listing sins. Here's 15 that kind of categorize, and I don't think he's producing a list just to have a list. I think he's illustrating that people who live under the influence of the sinful nature look like this. Pretty descriptive. And notice... He goes on to say, I, I warn you. I'm just warning you. He's not being mean. He's not being derogatory. He's being truthful and honest because that's what grace does. Grace warns people. Grace says, if you live like this, I'm warning you, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. You see, when you preach grace, you warn people. In the context of life, in almost every context of life, you want to be warned. If those drugs that you're taking have a side effect, you, you kind of want to know what the side effect is. If a road is unsafe, you want to be warned. If there's a threat, you want to be warned. If there's a, a storm, then you want to be warned. And then we come to worship and we hear and see this and we're like, I don't want you to warn me, preacher. The preacher starts warning us about how we're living, and we're like, preacher, you've gone to meddling now. We complain about a negative sermon. We start saying, preacher, that's really none of your business. So, same context, Galatians 5. Here's, I wanted to mention this. Here's what grace does. Grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. So people who don't understand grace don't understand that grace teaches us to say no. Grace warns us. But he goes on and he says, if you keep on biting and devouring each other, which is what the sinful nature produces, watch out. Don't be surprised. It's coming. You'll be destroyed by each other. Here's how Paul says it in Romans 8. He said, if you live according to sinful nature, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Let me illustrate it this way. I... I I could talk about high school basketball all day long. I loved high school basketball. We were pretty decent. We had a phenomenal coach. He had won state championships. I've shared that with you before. And um, We practiced all the time. We practiced in the summers. We played on Sunday afternoons. We practiced over Thanksgiving. We practiced over Christmas. My mom hated it. 
I loved it. I absolutely loved basketball and going to practice. I loved the workouts. I loved the drills. And you know what? Whatever the coach told us to do, we did. If he said, get on the line, we're running, we got on the line and we ran. And if he said, stop, we stopped. Whatever he, he said, he, he owned us. We belonged to him for two or three hours a day. And we could have walked out and we could have quit and we could have said, we don't need this. But we knew being under his influence and we knew the fact that he had won state championships, we knew that if we did what he said, we would be better. And so we belonged to him for two or three hours a day. Same terminology. Those who belong to Christ Jesus, oh, we can walk out. We're free to walk out. We can say, I don't need this. I can live however I want. But those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. So let, let me give you a context of baptism that maybe you haven't seen before. Just so maybe we understand baptism a little better. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we've been united with Him like this in His death, we will certainly also be united with Him in His resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with Him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin and the shackles of sin. You know what baptism does? It just puts us under the influence of God. And we believe that when you're baptized, that verse that we kept going back to, Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, and you will receive the gift of the Spirit. When you're baptized, God says, I want to dwell in you, live in you, empower you, so you'll be free from sin. That's why you should crave baptism. That's... Baptism is not what our church preaches because it's our doctrine. I, I want you to understand that baptism sets us free. It puts us under the influence of God. And I want you to think about being baptized. If you've never been baptized, you don't have to do it today. You're like, oh, in front of all these people, I know how you feel. You can do it on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You can do it in the morning. You can do it at night. You don't have to have any of these people here, you can have your family, you can have whoever you want to baptize you because the person baptizing you doesn't save you. This water isn't magic, but it is a liquid grave where we're buried and we crucify our old self. And when you come up out of that water, you are free Amen. to follow God. No more shackles of your old life, the sinful nature. How do I know if I'm being led by the Spirit? You saw the list. If that describes you, then you're being led by the Spirit. And if you see some things that you're doing on the other list, acts of the sinful nature are obvious, and you know, mm, I need to realign. So can I encourage you to follow God? Because God dwells in us and empowers us and wants us to live for Him. Let's pray.